Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. Today's guest is Dustin Hunley, an accomplished jazz pianist who's also been a music educator for over 16 years. He's a fabulous vocalist, director, composer, arranger, and an absolute whiz in the kitchen. When Dustin found out his young son had celiac disease and could be physically harmed by eating gluten, he was forced to change his cooking style to accommodate. Two people, not just my son, but but also my girlfriend, are celiac. It's called celiac sprue and it is an autoimmune disorder. And what happens is that when gluten gets into your small intestines, your body attacks it. Then your small intestines can't do their job, which is absorbing nutrients, and then you basically are starving to death because you lose the nutrients from your food. Today, Dustin's making a lamb and sweet potato curried shepherd's pie, which is of course gluten-free, and if I know Dustin, incredibly delicious. As a parent with high school age twins and a busy performing schedule, how does eating healthy and staying fit keep him going? Was it a love for cooking that helped him in the door with the band Ants in the Kitchen? Come with me into another great food adventure and let's find out. Marty. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm really excited. I am yeah. so glad that I finally get to talk to you about cooking. A lot of people don't know that for the last two years they've been listening to you on my show. I often play one of my tracks, an instrumental called Words Last. It actually mm. has words, but I play the instrumental version. And Dustin is the fabulous pianist oh. um, that you <laughs> always hear on the solo. So thank you so much for that awesome music. Thanks for writing that song. Yeah, and you were actually <laughs> on my songs Here I Am Home, mm -hmm. uh, Washing Dirty Dishes, which hasn't been released yet. Oh, okay. And Words Last. Yeah. View from here, you were actually on my my whole album, View from Here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. I think you're amazing. Thanks. And I have tasted your cooking previously, and I'm always so impressed that I'm like, we've got to get dusted. Do you remember what it was? Um, I don't remember All what right. it was. It's been so many years. I don't years remember now. either. I just remember <laughs> that I was happy when eating it. Well, I hope, so, I hope I don't disappoint here. I'm sure you won't disappoint. What's right. on the menu? So on the menu, um, we have a lamb curry mixed with a shepherd pie that I actually have never tried before. Oh my god. So this is a fun thing. Ooh, I like when, it. When, uh, Marty's test kitchen. Well, yeah, when, when, <laughs> exactly. When Terry's like, hey, I need the recipe, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have the recipe because I am making it up currently. Okay. Um, but this is just, you know, a standard shepherd's pie is usually lamb or beef. Um, uh -huh. And then this, this other thing that I've been making for my family a long time is just, it's just a lamb curry with, with like coconut milk base. Ah. And so I thought that'd be pretty easy to merge those two things Sounds together. Sounds great. So yeah, so that's what, that's what we're eating. Um, we're also going to make, um, when that's in the oven, we're going to make some cocktails. And we're going to have mezcal mangoritas. Ooh, so a, a little smoky flavor? A little smoky flavor to mango balance out the mango. This yeah. sounds fabulous. Yeah, and I have, I have a story behind the mango rita as well. All right, well, what do we do first? We should probably get this stuff in the oven. All right, so this stuff was prepared ahead of time because it took me about a half hour to do it and then another half hour in the in the oven. And, okay, you know, so what did you need to prep them? All right, so the mashed potatoes, they're sweet potatoes. You basically just cube them up real small, boil mm -hmm. them, strain them, 
I added coconut milk till it looked right, added some yellow curry, some salt and pepper. That's pretty much all that's going on with the sweet potatoes. You know, sweet potatoes, I mentioned a couple episodes ago with a neuroscientist mm -hmm. that I used to hate sweet potatoes. Mm. I loathed them. I mean, right, I couldn't right. even go in the kitchen when they were cooking <laughs> until I hit about 38 to 40. And all of a sudden, something changed in my brain hmm. and I couldn't get enough sweet potatoes. Oh, wow. Like sweet potatoes... Any way you can cook them, you know, with the butter, with salt, with cinnamon, whatever. Sweet potatoes are my thing. And, of course, I can leave French fries. don't care about them. Mm. But if you uh, tempt me with sweet potato fries, I can almost never say no. Well, sweet potatoes are better for you than potatoes. Anyway. Yes, they are. Yeah, so that's so, a good thing. This is good. I'm really glad you're making this. And, and I didn't know that sweet potatoes and yams commonly get confused. And there's so many different types of sweet potatoes. And I really like the non, like, doctored up, oversweet sweet potatoes. Okay, so tell me the difference. Well, the yams are like, they can be darker and, like, they just taste different. Uh -huh. I don't know. I read something the other day that contradicts everything that I thought that I knew about them, so. Well, uh, as far as the sweet <laughs> potatoes go, how do you know, is it the sweet potatoes have the white flesh? Or do they have the kind of... I think I have some raw ones over flesh. here still. These are just like Trader Joe's sweet potatoes. Yeah, yeah. So they got the kind of reddish outside, and they're reddish just outside. like the small size of a potato. Yeah, Trader they're Joe's, orange inside. Love them. But you can get different. You can get sweet potatoes that are white, like inside, practically. And do you think those taste different? They'll taste a little different. And the yams are darker and a little mushier. I think. I don't really like the yams. I like the less sweet. Okay. Okay. Then the uh, the lamb. How I made this. Ground lamb, you can get it at the grocery store. Um, one of my hacks in, in finding stuff is, is going to grocery outlet and you can actually get it pretty cheap. I love grocery outlet. The fat content may be a little higher. So when I browned it, there was a lot of fat that I had to take off, mm -hmm. which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but you start with, uh, I put green onions, I put garlic and I put ginger in the pan. Mm -hmm. And then you just like cook it until it smells good. You don't, you don't want to burn the garlic. Then you put the lamb in, you brown it. Uh-huh. Then you drain the fat. Then you add. I have two different kinds of carrots, two different colors. Did you yellow. Say drink the fat. Drain the fat. <laughs> well, you can drink it later if you want. <laughs> um, then let's see. Put the carrots in. Mm -hmm. Let those cook for a while. Um, some chicken stock to kind of deglaze a little bit, and then um, then you reduce that a little bit. Then you add coconut cream. Uh huh. And tomato paste. Uh huh and curry powder. Okay, so let's talk about the curry powder. Mm -hmm. um, what kind do you use? So it's the yellow kind and I got this, my daughter actually got this for me for my birthday. It's the Penzi's, just like the new curry powder. It's a blend, but Penzi's. curry powders are, are, are pretty thick on um, turmeric, cumin, and coriander. And then like Turmeric's. cinnamon and other, other type of spices like that. Many years ago, I was bitten by a dog, sadly. Mm. Um, and um, after about a year of maxing my dosage of ibuprofen, um, mm. I decided I had to find another alternative for an anti-inflammatory to keep the swelling down on my hand. Yeah. And someone told me if I took turmeric, that that was a natural anti-inflammatory and that it would reduce the swelling in my hand. And once I started that, I was able to get completely off all of the ibuprofen that I was taking. I rarely had my hand swell 
And turns out it helped me with my allergies too. No, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, had to, I think we actually, no, that's not it. I have a big bag of turmeric. Um, I was going to ask, how long it. did you simmer it? Oh, about about 20 minutes. You, you Basically, you're going for like, you're going for like the sauce to start to come together. And okay. I don't put any, I don't put any flour in it or any um, rice flour or any stuff like that. Some, what? some, some uh, shepherd's pies will just call for you to put flour in it yeah. to help thicken it up. Which of course is gluten. Which of course has gluten in it. So we don't use that. But there is, there's like, um, there's substitute flours that have like rice flour, potato flour, potato starch and stuff like that. So you made this ahead, you put it in a bowl in the refrigerator and clearly it has some kind of a thickening agent or something happened to make it's it called, It's you're... called fat. Oh. There's a lot of fat in this. <laughs> well then, there's, there's a that lot of, explains it. The coconut cream, it, it freezes when you um, put it in the refrigerator. All right. But yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll loosen up here um, I don't really count calories when I cook, but... And yet? And yet. You're very fit, and well, how do you do that? Well, I was running a lot. So I didn't know you were a thing. runner. <laughs> All I did, these I years. Did, I did two ultra marathons last summer. What's an ultra marathon? So those are, those are over, um, over 26.2 miles. Anything over that is an ultra. So these are both 50-kilometer races, so those are 31 miles. Oh. And I did one in, in Forest Park in Portland on Memorial Day. And then I did another one. I guess that's not technically not summer. Did another one in Hood River on August 9th. Sometimes on Facebook, I see that you post the hiking, which mm -hmm. I love to hike. Yeah. And um, I often see you running on mountain trails. Yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I just didn't that's realize that's where the ultras that are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are crazy. I'm, I'm gonna say I support. You know, Portland is a huge running town. Oh yeah. And I totally support running. I'm just here to say it's not my thing. I, I didn't like it for a long time either, really. It's really not. It took I'm, me a long time to warm up to it. I have small little legs, and I I would rather do my um, hit workouts with mm. less meals on demand in front yeah. of my television than, <laughs> than have to run any length of time, you the, know. The one thing is that when you're doing the ultras, I'm pretty much burning about 1,000 calories an hour. And if I'm out for a five-hour race, All right, then that's a lot of food that you have to consume. <laughs> I've heard of carb loading. You have to do that. But you have to actually eat while you're running too. People describe ultra running as like a eating, like an endurance eating challenge while you're running, because you have to eat so much. Otherwise, you like run out of energy after two hours, and then you just can't go anymore. What is your go-to ultra marathon food for during the race? Sugar packets. <laughs> Sugar gel. Those big long tubes we had as candy as kids. No. Pull those out. Although I'll go. tell you what, I was having leg cramps at one of the stations, and they gave me an Otter Pop, and it like turned my life around. It was the best thing ever. Wow. Just a standard Otter, otter Pop. And you can do that while you're running. Yeah, you have to train. You have to like practice having food in your stomach. So that was the other thing I learned how to do is like just eat a bunch of food and then run and try to like keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> This is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's, but I've got to keep the food down. It's it's crazy. Yeah, you, you're like running and you like don't want to eat anymore. But if you don't, then you run out of run out of steam. So I'm gonna um, run out of potatoes here. While what, we've been talking, well, you can leave a little decorative hole in the middle. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I the the 
all the techniques I've seen say that you're supposed to start in the edges uh -huh. and keep because it's like going to bubble up. So what you're doing uh, for the listeners um, is that you've taken the sweet potato mash that mm -hmm. you made earlier and you're putting it on top of the lamb meat combination um, to make a little bit of a crust. So instead of potatoes in your shepherd's pie, you're using sweet potatoes. Yep. So I went, I did a pound and a half of of sweet potatoes because that's a lot of the recipe said and it was for an 11 by 17 dish which i think this is so maybe they just were hoping I that it right. would be a thinner a thinner topping either way we'll make something happen yeah. this will be edible so we'll just tell the <laughs> listeners that yes it's a beautifully fully covered shepherd's pie just make make more potatoes than than i said to make make two pounds make, make five two. pounds and then you can have eat some. the leftovers later yeah Probably. so eating and running yeah. Um, I remember uh, when you and I were um, gigging more often together, mm -hmm. um, you used to do yoga. Oh, morning. yeah. I still do yoga. There's, there's a limited amount of time that I can spend with, um, you know, doing the fitness stuff when you're teaching and parenting. And, and I also do, you know, an average dinner will take at least an hour. Yeah. And I've and I've been able to get away with like cooking a big thing, mm -hmm. and then having it like last for two nights uh -huh. until my kids like grew up. And now if they're in the house, they will just it doesn't matter. I can cook like five pounds of meat and it'll be gone. <laughs> it's like insane. So so your twins mm -hmm. are seniors. I can't seniors, even believe seniors. Yeah. High school. They're at Lincoln High School. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where does the time go? They're, they're both serious choir singers right now. Mm, Woohoo! I love in, it. They sing in PYC. They sing in their school choir. What's PYC? Uh, Pacific Youth Choir. Ah. I and their high school ready. choir. Do they do musicals? They are going to this year because it's going to be Fiddler on the Roof. They're both very excited about that. <laughs> they're preparing the pieces right now for the audition. All right, I think we're going to put this into a 400 degree oven. Middle rack. Well, I didn't do the rack right. Let's do the rack right. We have time, right? Yes. <laughs> I had the rack set for something I was broiling last time I baked, so it's too close to the top. It probably doesn't matter, but I'm going to change it What'd anyway. you make last time? Um, it was Alton Brown's chicken parmesan recipe. Oh, he, I his, love his, Alton his Good recipes. Eats is back on now. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. He, re he resurrected it. I remember Alton Brown from, you know, the first run of that show. Yeah. And I've made um, his recipe for the chicken. He, like, does a baked chicken. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And he just appeals to my science-loving nature. And I think, you know, it's um, amazing to me how many musicians I know are either science fans, science lovers, or actually in a medical field. Wow, yeah. Um, and it's the same with lawyers, don't ask me why. Hmm. I know a lot of lawyers, physicians, all those people, and they're all, there's some kind of a music connection. Maybe it's a brain balance thing. It, it might be. I, I love Alton Brown too. My mother was a high school science teacher. Uh -huh. She's retired now. Um, and my dad's a computer, you know, network Geek. guy. Both retired. But yeah, they, um, I used to love Mr. Wizard when I was a kid. They showed it on Nickelodeon. Okay, wait, now you grew up in Colorado. Uh-huh. 
And I grew up in Portland, so what's Mr. Wizard? Well, it was on it was on cable. It was a nationally syndicated show, um, and they I think they brought it back for like Nickelodeon, which is like the kids' channel. Uh huh. But it, it was a science show. It was kind of the precursor to Bill Nye. I love Bill Nye. The yeah. Okay. Guy. So so think about Bill Nye, and that that's like Bill Nye has some crossover into like Good Eats, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, hey, this is this is a cooking show, but it's a science show too. Like, I totally love all this stuff about the, the science behind the food. Um, and then learning the process just helped me, like, figure out how to cook, mm -hmm. which gives me the ability to be like, all right, what's in the pantry right now? Mm -hmm. What can I make? Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I don't have a recipe, but I know that this is how you prepare this type of thing, and this is how you prepare this type of thing. It's just and like, here's how the flavors might work together, and, and usually things don't turn out bad. So It's just like lesson plans, Dustin. It's kind of like lesson right? plans. Right? It's like, here are the things I need to teach. What do I have in my cupboard, and how can I make this interesting and different and teach them? Well, I like to think about it like in composition also, or in jazz, because like in jazz there's like a framework. Like There's a 12-bar blues. You have to do the the chords, especially like you have to go to the four chord in the in the fifth bar, right? Uh -huh. That that's what makes it twelve bar blues. Um, if you have some rules, then you can use those rules, and then you can be creative on top of it. If you if you just said, hey, here's a whole kitchen and every type of food that you would want, make something, it would be seriously overwhelming to me. Mm -hmm. But if you said <laughs> Um, you're not allowed to use flour. <laughs> okay. You're not allowed to use nightshades. You're not allowed to use. Um, what are nightshades? Um, so so tomatoes, bell peppers, eggplant. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, that that family of, of mm. plants. Um, you know, just just tell me all the things that I can't use, and then I have actually more freedom because I'd be like, all right, well, what can I do, and how can I make it taste good? So it's kind of the same way in jazz, like. Or, or in composition, you know, who am I writing this for? Is it elementary school kids? All right, so I have to limit the range that they sing. Uh -huh. And it's got to be one part, so then I have to do this with the piano part so that it's interesting for the listeners. Just like the more rules you throw at me, personally, yeah. the better I am at coming up with a product. So, so what are you making? All right, uh, so mangaritas. You've been sitting here as we've been chit-chatting. You've been rolling these lines. Yeah, yeah, just so that once we once we cut into them, the juicing them will be easier. With your ultra strong trailing <laughs> muscles. No. That doesn't help that. It's part endurance much. line rolling. So this is my new knife. It's a it's a Chinese cleaver. Um, I'm gonna I, step away. And I got it. I got it. <laughs> That's like a Halloween. This is so much fun to cut oh things with. Um, it's the, the short. You should have seen. You should have seen me knife. take the sweet potatoes apart with it. If if your listeners have ever tried to like cut sweet potatoes, they know that they're rather they're rather tough to get through with most knives. This has got the heft and it's got the sharpness. And All right. It just goes right Let's look at the brand. Potatoes. What is it? Oh, it's that German brand that I can't pronounce. Uh, Zwilling Gourmet. Zwilling. Anyway. Z W Y L I N G. All right, I'm staying. Wow. It's just a knife. That's like butter. It's just a knife. All right, so now I we're like gonna juice limes. those. Do you want to juice limes? I'm happy to. Is that thing you limes. like to do? Okay. So my Mangorita story. So before Mangos. I lived in Portland, Mangorita, before I lived in Portland, I lived in Hood River and I was playing with some guys in a band called Django's Cadillac. How long did you live in Hood River? Um, I was in the gorge for four years. And were you living in a Cadillac? No. Okay, thank God. No, so the band did like half Django Reinhardt stuff and half country. And it I was don't a know who it was Django a... Reinhardt is. This is an Oh, you don't know who Django Reinhardt is? Oh. He's a he's a fantastic guitar player. And he only had um, on his left hand, he only had his thumb and his index and middle finger. 
because he had either an accident or a birth deformity. I don't know. Don't quote me on this, people. But yeah, he only had three fingers on his left hand, and he was a wizard. He could just play faster than anybody with the guitar. So this, this band was influenced by him and by country music. That's where the Cadillac part comes in. Uh, the guitar player in the group was named Rick Hewlett. And he was one of the very few guitar players I've ever played with that I just really liked playing with. I don't know what it is with piano players and guitar players and jazz, but sometimes it doesn't work. Really? Because we're kind of in the same neighborhood of, of responsibilities, ah, and like you know, harmonically. It's for, like... for listeners, they don't know that mm -hmm. sometimes that's why you can have a trio of a bass guitar and mm -hmm. drums and make that work yeah. to support a singer. Mm -hmm. Or you would have bass, drums, and piano. So right. And then you get the rare occasions like where Nat King Cole Trio, where it's guitar, piano, bass. Mm -hmm. And there weren't, any, there weren't any drums. Yeah. And that was because they were able to figure out, well, this is going to be my job, this is going to be your job. So anyway, Rick Hewlett, um, great guitar player. He lost a battle with cancer about <sighs> six, seven years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was really sad. Um, but he, he handled it with a lot of grace. And, you know, I, we all went to his service, and it was, it was just really nice to have gotten to play with him. Uh, but one of the things that band would do is that we would, like, make... A voyage from Hood River to come down and see someone in Portland who was big time that was playing. Like I remember when we came down to see Christian McBride. Mm. So we come down, but the, all the guys were like, "Well, we have to go to Bombay Cricket Club first. Ooh. And it was this, it was this um, Indian place on uh, 20th and Hawthorne. Um, and they had mangaritas there. And and our drummer Tim Ortlieb, um, he got so obsessed with the mangaritas that he like found out what type of mango puree that they used. And he like went online and bought like a whole case it of this mango puree. It wasn't good enough that he makes mango no, no, no. He, he has to make the he, mango. He wasn't using right Trader Joe's mango nectar, but that's what I'm using. That's because Trader Joe's is it's, amazing. It's not a bad mango nectar. So we're gonna use um, we're gonna use mezcal. We're gonna use tequila. We're gonna use grapefruit bitters. So we're we're gonna do some stuff with mezcal. We're gonna do we're gonna do two shots of mezcal. Okay. I'm gonna make a double recipe of what's up there on the board. <laughs> double, all right. And one shot of, this is Añejo, 100% Agave, Centenario. Mmm. It's not terribly expensive, but it is pretty good for... Just one shot? Just one shot of that. Then we're gonna do four shots of the mango, mango juice. And this has already got sugar in it. Were you counting? I think this is my fourth. Four, this is four. <laughs> What, you haven't even had anything to drink yet. No. <laughs> Are you counting? I've been working all day, Marty. Oh, all right, yeah, and then yeah. let's see. We got the lime juice. We need two shots of the lime juice. I, I made this the other day, so this is good. Okay, we had two limes, and I juiced them. So we're a little almost, short, but that's gonna be fine. Almost perfect. Yeah, we almost made it. So about about two limes for that, and then we're gonna put the bitters in. Mm, and that should be enough delicious. of that. delicious. And I'm gonna get some ice. We're going to do the shaky, shaky thing. Do you want to put the, um, the salt on the rims of the... I would love to. One of my little tricks for putting salt on the rim of a glass, if you're making a margarita, dip the glass in the margarita mix. Yes. Oh my gosh, good. look at the perfectly salted glasses. That's beautiful. Glasses. All right, I'm going to get a few more ice cubes and drop them in there without messing it up. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. 
So yeah, so these mangaritas, when we when we do our toast, we can do it to my friend Rick. I think that is a really good idea. All right, so All right, that's gonna to be try it. it. Ready? All right, this um, is to my friend Rick. Here's to Rick for his obsession with mangoritas and getting the exact <laughs> recipe. Okay, here we go. I've never had a smoky margarita before, and I have to tell you, it's quite good. All right. I'm I like the like the mix of flavors with the mango nectar. It's almost like a summer campout kind of a drink, or mm. you know, you're you're in your backyard, you know, hanging out with guests in a fire pit, and I think that smokiness reminds me of that. The smokiness is fun. So good. So why did you start cooking gluten-free food? Well, I mean, simple answer was that two people, not just my son, but, but also my girlfriend, are celiac. And how do you know if you have celiac? Are celiac or have celiac disease? How so so it's, it's called celiac sprue, and it is an autoimmune disorder. And yeah. what happens is that when gluten gets into your small intestines, your body attacks it. And that inflammation, that fight, destroys the villi in your small intestines. Oh. And then your small intestines can't do their job, which is absorbing nutrients. And then you basically are starving to death because you lose the nutrients from your food. Okay. That sounds like having... It's not a food allergy. <laughs> yeah. That is not a good thing to have. No, no. Um, lots of people used to die from it because they didn't know what it was. They, they just... People would waste away and they didn't have any idea. And they'd just get skinnier and skinnier mm -hmm. and skinnier mm -hmm. even though they were eating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Fascinating. It, and it was, it was wheat or barley or rye or what's the other one i can't remember is there a test for that um so there there's things that can tip you off there's not an actual test but there's a there's kind of a biopsy where they go in and like take a chunk out of your small intestine and look Ow. at it yeah yeah and they look at it and see if if there's signs of of damage and with nathaniel we actually had to study for his test which meant we had to eat a bunch of gluten Oh. We're pretty sure he had it, so we're like, what do you want? If this is the he's, last time you're last ever going to eat yep. gluten. And so we did dim pizza. sum. We did oh. dim sum. Oh. So we did, we did a dim sum party, and then, and then yeah, sure enough, no gluten for him either. So I had already been practiced um, fixing meals for Jill um, with no gluten, but then it was like, all right, we're just going to go gluten-free in the whole house. So, mm -hmm. And that's the easiest way to like not mess it up is just not bring it in the house in the first place. And that's what you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. when you said no, um, you know, those things that you were eliminating from your cupboards. And then oh, what right. can I do to cook things? Mm -hmm. Those were the things that you needed to eliminate for the celiac yeah, yeah. disease. Mm -hmm. so, so we did that. Um, you know, the things you start to miss are like the, the baked goods, like the pizzas and the, and the rolls and stuff. I mean, there's a ton of cauliflower crusts, sure. gluten-free mm -hmm. crusts. Yeah, yeah. We, we have some of that in the fridge. Um, some of it is, it's tricky buying stuff that's pre-made because a lot of companies will like say, hey, this is gluten-free. And then if you read the ingredients really carefully, it says it's processed in a facility that also handles wheat, which means you can get cross-contamination cross and that just like... And you can't do it. You can't do it then, yeah. So Aww. it's it's tricky. So So if anything... Having, you know, two celiacs in the house makes it even more important that we cook. And um, who is it? Michael Pollan? Was he the one that said it? Yeah, I think, I think he said it that, like, the greatest indicator of how healthy you are is how many meals you cook at home. 
it's not like people that go and eat out a lot they're not necessarily getting good food but if you're like interacting with your food always mm -hmm. then you know what's going to be in the food that you're eating yeah and I that just kind of automatically means you're going to eat healthier you're going to have less sodium because even though i put tons of salt in my food it's still way less than you get in a restaurant <laughs> So, or from frozen food. Or from frozen food, yeah. Prepared foods, yeah. So tell me about your new band. My new band, the new band that I'm in is called Ants in the Kitchen. They've how been appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't even asked them how they got their name. I just signed on. Um, so the way I found out, found out about the band is kind of a crazy story because the person who got me into the band is kind of indirectly responsible for me moving to Oregon in the first place. So it really? goes way back to um, my, a roommate of mine right after I got out of college. He, he was best friends, and when I was at my friend's wedding, I met Alan. Alan Kalix is a trumpet player. And, you know, Alan was like, yeah, you should come out and check out Oregon, because I was, I was living and teaching in Santa Fe at the time and kind of done with that job. And so we moved out here at kind of at his advice, and I knew a couple other people there, and we kind of hooked up and talked, but... Alan was super busy and I was super busy and I didn't uh -huh. actually move to Portland. I was in the, I was in the gorge for four years uh -huh. initially. So made it hard to like connect with him, but we finally got an opportunity. He's like, yeah, there's this band I'm in. He's a keyboard player. Do you want to try it out? And I listened to some of their songs on, online. I'm like, yeah, I can do all that stuff. So I met with the guys. They're, they're a great group of guys. And, um, and also LaRonda Steele sings with Ants in the Kitchen. So I get to get to play with her and she's fantastic. She was actually my season one first interview no in kidding. season one of Marty's Music Kitchen. The very first one? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I I, I, um, I drove her to a couple gigs. Um, we had a gig like up at Ski Bowl uh -huh. in the morning and then we had uh, an evening gig at the Elane Casino. So I, I spent like literally all day with LaRonda. La it was yeah, pretty she's cool. she's super fun, She's right? great, yeah. Yeah. This band is, is uh, really tight. We just finished... Um, we just finished last Saturday. We were in the studio for five and a half hours doing one of those things where we play songs and we had photographers in there and, and taking video and and just getting something ready for, for more promos. So you have a music Facebook page, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is it? Um, Dustin Hunley Jazz and Vocals, I believe is what it's called. And are you posting some of the stuff on there? I do, yeah. Um, so I, I work, I, I do stuff with them. I also do... Uh, I have kind of a standing thing. It's a monthly-ish thing at Birch Street Lounge, which is in Camas. Um, a great lounge. They really treat everybody really well there, and they pay musicians well, and that's important. That and is they don't, very important. They don't have TVs. They don't have BS drinks. Uh -huh. They have classic cocktails. They have great music. Uh, Kevin's a fantastic guy, so big plug to them. Um, yes, yeah, so I work there occasionally too um, with Brian Myers. Um, yeah, which I he's played with me a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, um, great tenor saxophone. You player. remember that one gig we did in Multnomah where it snowed? <laughs> yes, it was snowing in Oregon and <laughs> Portland, and Multnomah happens to be on the west side of town that got hammered, mm -hmm. and you had to go up this really steep hill to get into Multnomah Village, and I just remember thinking, okay, here we go, and I made it up that hill. And we did have an audience of about 11 people, but I do remember two of my friends lived two miles away and they're avid hikers and they geared up and put on their backpacks and they hiked into the wow. show. Wow. I remember, because Brian was living in um, Montevilla, which isn't super far from here. Uh -huh. And this was, 
I don't know, when was it that snowpocalypse happened? There was like four or five consecutive days where like all the schools were shut down. It was, I don't remember, but yes. I cross-country skied to his house for a rehearsal. I, I got a kick out of that. Yeah. It was How like right when I met him. do that in not, Portland, Not Oregon. often at all. I was like, let's do this. I'm skiing over to your house. <laughs> a little weather break. Um, people may not know that it does not snow as much now as it did when I was a child. Yep. It doesn't. And it seems like now when it snows, it's for days at a time rather than just, yeah. you know, a couple times a year. I don't mind snow days, but it, it, it eats into my summer now. So I'm a school teacher, right? And if you miss a day of school, it doesn't just evaporate. They put it on at the end of the year. And, and I think the last day that I taught that year was June 21st. Because they added Ouch. so many days to the end of the calendar. So you've been teaching for 16 years? This is actually year 17. Yeah. And, and the, the way I keep track is that I just think, like, well, how old are my kids? Oh. Because they were, they were born, I think, the fourth day that I was teaching. Oh, just day four? So you started teaching as the new teacher, and then you're like, I gotta go, I just had twins. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah, and we had a big parade in Santa Fe. Um, they have the fiestas. Let's just suffice it to say, the fiestas are a big deal. Um, the big thing that, that ends is they have this thing called Zazobra. It's kind of like Burning Man. There, there's a giant effigy of a, of a guy named Zazobra, they call, and, and I think that Kiwanis started this. Zazobra. I'm pretty sure the Kiwanis started this, which is weird because my parents are serious Kiwanians right now. Um, but the, the local Kiwanis started the Zazobra thing. And people will show up and then they like, they pin things to him, like all these woes of theirs, right? And then they burn it. Oh. And of course, people are drinking tons of tequila and eating lots of green chili. And, and mangoritas? They, I don't know if they do mangoritas there. I think the mango is, is not a... I think a, they should. It's, I it's, think we should take it's it. It's too outside of the Santa Fe thing. Wait, before you burn this effigy, <laughs> you've got to have a mango Rita because it's delicious. No, they just do their tip. There, there's the place that I learned to love margaritas was in Santa Fe. They had a bar there. I think it was called Maria's. They even had a book on making margaritas. Ah. And they would make them with lemon juice because they believed that lemons were more consistent than limes. And they're like mixing like top shelf tequilas with like Grand Marnier and mm -hmm. lemon juice and saying, this is your, this is your top shelf margarita. Because hmm. they wouldn't want to chance it to like one lime that's kind of bitter. There's a couple places in Portland that make outstanding margaritas. Mm -hmm. um, and my favorite margarita right now is called a scratch margarita, um, which is basically muddled limes. Um, and the tequila, mm -hmm. and if you want to put a hint of triple sec in it for sweetness, yeah, um, you know, and still have the salt, it just takes the margarita mix out, so that there's fewer calories, and you can actually get a margarita that's, you know, maybe around the 200 calorie or less um, range, rather than a margarita that averages maybe five to 800. So calories. that's going to be a really tart margarita then, right? It's tart, except for that you always want to add a smidge of the triple second. I mean, yeah, yeah. the sugar is worth it just for that little hint of flavor, but yeah. Okay. Well, you so heard, that was you that. heard the beeper. Yes. That means we should probably what check I... and see what's going on. I see a little bit of browning. All right. You know what I'm going to do? Broil it. It is bubbling at the, yeah, I'm totally going to broil it. So we're going to turn the broiler on and just give it a little bit of love. Go. So when's your next show? Uh, let's see. So Ants in the Kitchen are doing uh, November 27th. So that would be Wednesday before Thanksgiving at the Gemini in Lake Oswego. 
and I've heard that that's a huge like draw, like it's going to be a zoo there. But you should still come. All right, I and, will come. And then... Oh, actually, I won't because I'll be in a cruise in the Caribbean. <sighs> but you know... Well, then you won't be at my next, next one either because then Thanksgiving happens and then the day after Thanksgiving, I'm at Birch Street with Brian Myers. I actually will be back by then, so, so you have I to come will to come to the Birch Street Lounge. Tell me, what kind of music does Ants in the Kitchen play? So Ants in the Kitchen does like rock and roll with kind of an attitude with a horn section. So it can be anything from from Sign Seal Delivered to like Proud Mary, just your real standard like great danceable tunes like Shout, right? You know, mm -hmm. we'll do just anything that people will dance to. But then we'll flip and say, all right, we're going to do Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer. We're going to do um, Beastie Boys <laughs> with horns. We're going to do... Um, What's the new one we're doing? The horns. Oh, it's it's. I gross. have to come here. That. It, that one's on the promo. You got to check it out. Um, fight for your right to party, right? Right. Uh huh. Um, and then Portugal, the man song. Um, feel it still. We mm -hmm. do that piece. Yeah. We do we do a couple David Bowie pieces. We do a bunch of Rod Stewart. We do. Oh, thinking about stuff. A whole we do. variety. A, a big variety. Um, it's it's a really tight band. It's really fun. Um. It's like non-stop dancing. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the alarms just went off. We wasn't quite done, so we broiled the top, and now we're ready to eat. It's probably good. All right, now, so most recipes say that you're supposed to let it sit for 15 minutes. That's just so it doesn't burn your mouth when you yeah, bite into it. But We don't need to do that. We need to at least... We want to be brave. We're Mango Rita brave. <laughs> I'm Mango Rita brave. <laughs> All right, so... I'm hungry. Did I mention that? And I think part of it is the smell. It smells just like a wonderful shepherd's pie. And it's steamy hot. This is Dustin's... The part I tasted yesterday was good. Dustin's famous lamb curry shepherd's pie. Has coconut in it, too. And coconut. If well, that matters. So it's kind milk. of an Indian twist, would you say? Oh, yeah. Well, the curry's definitely Indian. And smell the curry. This is piping hot. Mmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it's supposed to taste like. Mmm. <laughs> oh. It tastes like I'm eating an Indian curry dish. And the sweet potatoes fit perfectly on that. What'd you put in the sweet potatoes again for spice? Um, just a little bit of the curry powder. The, most of the spice is in the, in the meat itself. But there's probably, in this whole recipe, there's probably four tablespoons of that... Um, Mm. That Penzi's curry powder. Mm, mm, mm. This is fantastic. Yay! I am going to I'm make this like it. at home. Way to be creative in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And this is totally gluten-free. Totally gluten-free. So if I were, this if is I also... had celiac disease, I could eat this, no problem. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's there's tons of things you can do with, with, um, with flour-free cooking. Uh, mm. You just replace it. Or, you know... There's, especially since we have like Bob's Red Mill. Uh-huh. Have you ever met Bob from Bob's actually, Red Mill? Bob was really good friends with my uncle. I'm not kidding. Um, Don Derland. My uncle's been gone for many years now, but they used to, I don't know, golf or goof off together. They actually might have been in Kiwanis together, but um, kind of funny that you mentioned okay. that earlier. So. so so Bob, you know, Bob's Red Mill stuff is, is national. Probably international even. Uh -huh. um, but we went and toured the facility down there and we got to meet Bob because there were two pianos sitting out in the in the reception room. <laughs> and there was a real book 
which is, you know, a real book sitting on the piano. I'm like, there's a real book in the piano. So I asked the lady and it was just me and my parents and my kids, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what is this? What's going on with that? And she's like, oh, well, Bob likes to, he likes to play piano and sing. So they come down here what? and like, I'm like, what? I'm a jazz musician. Like, no way. So, so I totally jammed with Bob. <laughs> and, and, and he also plays violin. And I have a picture, it's in Facebook land somewhere, of me playing piano and Bob playing the violin. And, um, and Super fun! Yeah, but, but the reason I brought it up was because he has, one of his facilities is completely gluten-free. So you can get lots of, lots of flowers and, and, and all the stuff that he does that's, that's certified gluten-free and it's safe to use when you're baking. That so. is a very good knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very it's local knowledge. and it's, mm -hmm. he's great to his employees. Yeah. Well, Justin, I'm going to be sure to post all the links um, to Ants in the Kitchen, to your Facebook page, and the recipe for this, and the fabulous mangoritas. Um, and this has been so much fun. I'm glad you were able to cook for me. I'm glad you were able to come. Thanks for inviting me to your show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me in your kitchen. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall, inviting you to a recording of this show. Become a patron of the podcast and get your special invitation. Find out about the $1 and $5 perks by joining the fun at patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen. <laughs>